It's just worth thinking that good copy needs to paint a picture in people's minds. You want to paint a picture. You want people to be able to imagine and visualize what you're talking about. And the problem with generic language is it doesn't do that. It just kind of washes over you. Like, well, I don't actually understand what that means. And so it doesn't resonate, but a specific detail. And there are lots of interesting details that you can pull out. That's a lot of what we do in program pages is adding in that specific detail to make it more interesting. Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast here on the B Podcast Network. This is a show dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name's John Azoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled, and we're a video production company working specifically with college marketing teams to make it easy for them to scale up and even automate their student and alumni success stories through our subscription approach. And you can learn more about that at unveiled.tv, and that's U-N-V-E-I. LD.TV. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, uh, go ahead and subscribe. We'd love to have you. And if you're wanting your college and university's content to resonate on a deeper emotional level with prospective students, with alumni, with parents, whatever, I want you to subscribe to my free newsletter. Every week I send out tips and insights on creating more emotionally resonant content, including examples and best practices from other institutions, articles and blog posts, that week's podcast episode, and much more. So head over to unveiled.tv slash newsletter and sign up. All right, let's get on with the show. Okay, my guest today is Joe Marshall. Joe is the founder of All Things Words, a specialist uh, copy and content strategy for higher education clients. Uh, she spent more than two decades working with universities and schools to banish the blah and uh, create better copy and content. Joe and her team have particular expertise in helping universities find their voice, shape their messaging, and tell more compelling stories that resonate with higher ed's diverse audiences. Uh, they work with education clients in the UK, Europe, and uh, here in the States, including UCL, University of Loughborough, and uh, the, the Anglo-American University in Prague, and uh, their program platform Coursera. Uh, so today we're talking about university program pages. Uh, for, our, for our listeners in the UK, I think they call them course pages in the States. We call them program pages. We'll, we'll use them interchangeably to mean the same thing. And, uh, be, would be a landing page on your college or university's website that houses information about a specific program or course or degree. Um, so we're talking about, you know, how do you optimize those pages so that they're really serving the goals of your institution and making it easy for prospective students to get the info they need at the moment they need it and in a language that will, uh, speak to them. So Joe, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Really happy to be with you. So um, what's it like being from the UK? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I mean, I'm pretty biased. I, you know, I, I, I love it here. I've always lived here. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place, the UK. Um, yeah. Have you ever been? I have not. My daughter is, uh, she's almost nine. She's in, she's really loves um trying to talk with a British accent accent lately. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah. We, we do the same in our house with American. Um, especially when we find words that are like, you know, completely different pronunciation. Uh, we had it recently, actually my son, he's seven and is really, well, was really into dinosaurs. He's just grown out of them, but, um, how you guys, we say diplodocus. How do you say it? Diplodocus. I've never like even heard of that. It's the name of a dinosaur. Diplodocus, apparently, you say in American. Diplodocus. The, 
Yeah, we were like, they were like, what? <laughs> what even is that? <laughs> it's like when people, I had a professor in college that um, for it was like an advertising uh, class and he would call it an advertisement. And it, <laughs> it was like, I don't know, is that, is, does he, is that how you guys say it in, in the UK? Advert, or? yeah, advert, advert. And what is advertisement where in, with you guys? Yeah, advertisement, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the little, the little quirks. <laughs> Yeah, I did a. Um, when I was in art school. I did a a semester in um, uh, southern uh, south of France or whatever, for, and did like a little independent studio program. And I lived with a host family, and like the daughter of the family would always try to say cheese, and they don't. They she couldn't do the double e sound, so she would be chez. And I was like, how can you not just say? Jeez, just say it like <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's just so funny like when people are grow, grow up on a certain dialect like their you know motor function absolutely solidifies in a certain way <laughs> yeah the, the sound is like almost impossible to make isn't it and if you don't have that in your own language yeah um okay so we'll uh we'll start off with a little icebreaker here what's something that people would be surprised uh to know about you okay so I have sung on stage with David Jones from the Monkees, from the 60s band, the Monkees. Um, yeah. And it That's was cool. like, yeah, it was like pretty emotional. My parents were there. Um, you were like at a concert and he brought you up <laughs> on stage or? Well, it wasn't the height of his career. It was in the 80s um, and it was a pantomime, like a, a theater production of Puss in Boots. And he was like the funny character. He invited people up on stage uh, to sing. And my mum, I asked my mum about this the other day when I thought I, I might mention it to you. And she said that I really like eagerly put up my hand to go up on stage, like no fear. And went up, <laughs> there were six of us and we sang Old MacDonald Had a Farm. I don't know if you have that song, the same song. Oh, yeah. And uh -huh. um, and I was the pig. <laughs> so I had to do the pig. <laughs> and I just remember he gave me a signed picture and a pack and uh, like a box of sweets, a box of um, chocolate. And uh, but it was, you know, a big moment. I was eight and he was famous, um, even though he was like 20 years probably after his like the height of his fame. Wow, that's a really cool story. I used to watch with my sister, the monkeys had a TV show. Um, yeah when we were little and I can't even remember what it was about, but I just remember the theme song was the, Hey, Hey, we're the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that too. And he was like the funny one, wasn't he? The David Jones, he was like the funny character. And so I think, um, yeah, it was a big thing, especially for eight year old me. I was like, wow, I've got this signed picture. I sang with him. It didn't matter to me that it was, Oh, McDonald had a farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, I, in high school, I was in like a punk band and would like just, just, just shred my guitar in my room all the time. And like to, to these songs like Blink 182 and stuff like that. And I would, uh, I would envision myself being called up on stage to like some Blink 182 <laughs> concert and, and like, like the guitar player will had gotten sick or something like that. And I, the only person <laughs> yeah. that could fill in was me and uh you know that was the that was like the scene that would play out in my in my room when i was 14 uh oh. so you're just living the dream <laughs> i was living the dream yeah <laughs> um okay so i want to uh start with your um 
the background a little bit. So how, how did you get into, you know, an expertise in copywriting? Yeah, so it's interesting actually to reflect on because it wasn't um, a planned career path at all. Um, I talk to a lot of students now, you know, in my work with universities and a lot of people seem to have their career path like meticulously planned out or they have like a lot of idea of where they want to go and how they want to get there. I um, stumbled into copywriting. I kind of fell into it. I I studied French at uni um, because my dad... My dad advised me to choose a subject that I liked um, and I liked French. So I studied French, got out of uni and that was almost the first time I thought, what am I actually going to do with my degree? <laughs> like, I don't think I'd actually thought, I don't know, you know, what job am I going to do? Um, and I ended up doing an awful kind of sales job for um, a phone company selling like telesales, you know, on the phones and I hated it. And it was a real motivation to, you know, go out and get a proper job. And I, um, this was like not pre-internet, but it was kind of, we weren't using the internet in any way like we are now. So I went to the local university careers office. I found this big directory um, and I literally wrote down, they had a directory of like who would take a graduate trainee, all these local businesses. And I wrote down all the names of the businesses for anyone that would take like an arts graduate or a humanities graduate. Um, And then I remember sitting in my damp like hallway of my shared house that I was sharing with friends and I just phoned them all. I was just like, I was quite determined, I think, but I was just like, I phoned like 20 companies and about the 20th company happened to be a copywriting company. And I had the same spiel. I was like, you know, I'm just phoning to see if you might be interested in taking on a graduate trainee. And they happened to say yes. They were like, well, we are actually. And I was like, they were like, come in and have a chat with us. And then I was like, oh, right, I better look up what copywriting is. <laughs> I didn't actually know. Um, so I then looked it up and went for the interview. And that's where it all started. But that was, and that was 24 years ago. Um, but it all started from this, like, just a chance phone call, really. Interesting. That's, that's, yeah. that's, I mean, that's, re- people say they stumbled into a job. That's really stumbling into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, like, I kind of feel like I fell into it and then I realized that I quite liked it and I was, you know, developed my skills and I turned out I was like pretty good at it. And then I, I've just stuck at it since then. Obviously, lots of twists and turns and things have happened along the way, but um, that's where it all began. Very cool. So tell us, um, tell me a little bit more about your work with uh, institutions uh, that we mentioned in your intro. So, you know, UCL, University of uh, Loughborough, as, as, as well you would say. Well done on your pronunciation uh. there. Um, <laughs> it's a hard one. Um, I, yeah, so now I run a little copy agency um, called All Things Words, and we work um, solely now with universities. Um, in the last couple of years, we've gone all in on working with universities. I've worked on and off with colleges and schools and universities for over 20 years, but yeah, we now solely focus on that Um, and we do all kinds of copywriting and content writing but I guess the main I mean sort of to step back the main problem that we help universities solve is um, you know they're not communicating well enough in some way or they are um, and so the communication that they're putting out or maybe they're not even doing a particular type of communication they're not getting the results that they could be from from that communication or that type of communication. So um, a lot of what that actually boils down to now is stories. We write a lot of stories um, about university research, 
about student success, um, alumni stories, um, industry partnerships, all kinds of stories that universities might want to tell to connect people um, in more interesting ways to the brilliant things that are going on in, in their institutions. Um, and yeah, those two names you mentioned, I mean, UCL, they're like, obviously they're a massive university here. They're like in the top 10, I think, in lots of the rankings. And um, so it's been great to get involved with them. We started working with them in 2021. Um, it's so mid-pandemic. Um, and the first project we did with them was actually a little bit different. It, you know, you think of universities as doing teaching and research, but they also have a third strand, a lot of them, which is the innovation and enterprise side of things. Um, so we worked with, we were asked to come in and help UCL tell better stories, tell better stories about this amazing innovation and enterprise work that they're doing. So that's all about taking research out into industry. You know, how do you translate the stuff that's happening in universities don't want to be ivory towers you know how are you making it real how are you using it to solve problems how are you working with organizations to collaborate how are your students maybe setting up their own businesses off the back of stuff that they're learning on your programs um so it was really really interesting stuff but when they came to us they're massive ucl they've i don't know how many people like um in terms of students but like you know they're very very big and the faculty, some of their faculties are almost, each faculty is almost the size of its own as school. Um, and so wow. they had all these stories, but they were really not consistent. They weren't being consistently told. So we went in and did this really interesting project where we helped all the faculties um, create, create a bank of stories um, around different, you know, partnerships or entrepreneurship or different, different types of innovation story. And then we went out and found those stories, um, obviously with the help of our marketing contacts, um, and we interviewed the academics. Um, and so that was a really great way into UCL. We started working with them, and since then that has snowballed into lots of work with other teams. Our name has been passed around. It's that kind of lovely thing that can happen with a big organization. Some, you know, if you get known, then it can lead to other things. Yeah, UCL is that in the UK? Yeah, so that's University College London. Sorry, I shouldn't be oh, using sorry. acronyms. Okay. I would tell clients <laughs> off for using acronyms. Um, yeah, it's uh, University College London. They are based in London, and they are yeah, they're one of the big. They're one of the big uh, university. One of the kind of really well-known, renowned ones uh, here, and they're doing a lot of really groundbreaking research as well. You know, cool. like developing the new um, cancer treatments, for example, that are come that are really around like harnessing the immune system to tackle cancer or um, st big stuff to do with climate change, to do with tackling inequality. They're really doing some very exciting work. Um, mm -hmm. So like for me personally, as a copywriter, to be working on that stuff is like, it's very, uh, it's a privilege and it's really exciting to help communicate stuff, which is really important and is actually changing, you know, has the potential to change things and make things better. I love that. And I'm I'm a huge advocate, especially lately, as I've been seeing more and more videos uh, coming out of universities that have strong research uh, focuses is just that is so interesting to me. I mean, just like watching a story about some groundbreaking research that's happening on um, I, I saw a video from University of Chicago here in the States uh, on, uh, did a 
a video on like sleep study research that that, uh, that they did. And then one story, one story that always um, sticks with me every day. I think about it for this reason, and I can't remember the school it was, but they tested um, what happens when you flush the toilet with the seat open and like how many germs like micro germs fly into the air um (laughs) and so they're basically (laughs) like they they put like a they put like a chemical in the water and then like a glow light like a black light or something and it was disgusting how much it was like a like a like a fountain of (laughs) um, just toilet particles uh and so now (laughs) i cover my toothbrush i have a little toothbrush cover that i <laughs> so i think oh about my that gosh, i'm gonna do that now i'm gonna cover I, my toothbrush <laughs> yeah i think about that all the time but i mean that's groundbreaking you know college research right there that's that's really what we get our money where we get our money's worth uh, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah I, th- I find that so interesting and i and i think that um there there's there's so much power in like i i just i just feel like that's that's what would convince me to go to a school as like a school that's like doing something cool out in the world um like that that would be a huge motivator for me yeah exactly and the fact that you actually are going to be able to i mean they can say they can like working with a university like this a school like that is um you know they can actually say you know, we are leading the way in this stuff and you could be part of it. Like you could come and like work with us, especially if you're doing a master's program, you know, you can come and like be part of this new research. And how exciting is that to feel that you actually might be able to in some way kind of influence something like that at that level, even when you're going to, you know, you're just studying at that bachelor's or master's level. Yeah, absolutely. quick break here. I have a question for you. Have you ever had to manage the production of a video before for your school where you were the person that had to coordinate all the scheduling? Like you had like five people that needed to be interviewed for this thing and you had to juggle all the schedules and figure out how to line them up for individual slots miraculously on the same day. And on top of that, you had to talk to like your facilities guy and make sure the door to the engineering lab was going to be open at a certain time so the crew could get in there and film some b-roll you had to coordinate volunteers to be in the footage and and blah 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 and 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 right let me tell you something working with an outside video vendor should not look like this unfortunately i've worked with enough video folks to know that the mainstream school of thought is they will coordinate the crew and all the production stuff the editing etc and they will expect you to coordinate all your folks and i'll be honest sometimes there's stuff that the video people just can't coordinate for you like I'm probably not going to email your college's president out of the blue to ask them to be in this video and to coordinate their schedule when they've never heard of me or this project. Like that just makes more sense coming from you, at least to get their initial buy-in. But as much as possible, your job should be to get buy-in from all the right people and then introduce those stakeholders to the video producer to coordinate, which is not you. Unfortunately, we live in a world where it just doesn't work like that most of the time. In fact, I talked to a marketing director at a pretty well-known art school recently who told me he hired this video crew to film a couple program promo videos and they paid a lot of extra money. This was a bit of a splurge is the impression I got. And they got two videos out of the deal. And he said to me, all that money we paid and I still had to coordinate everything. Like we paid a premium for someone to do these videos and I was doing all the grunt work. So here's the deal. At Unveiled, one of the things we take really seriously is making sure the process is easy on you, especially that pre-production process, which is where a lot of the not fun stuff 
tends to show up. So whether we're working together through our video storytelling subscriptions, a big commercial, or maybe a smaller one-off video project, know that in addition to delivering a great end product, we also have our eyes on making that a smooth and oftentimes fun journey along the way. And even after it's done, we wanna make sure you're set up for success, which is why we give you all the raw footage, all that B-roll and interview footage to repurpose however you want at no extra charge. So if you have video needs right now, don't let the management of those projects stress you out. We are your partners in taking as much work off your plate as possible. So if that's you, I want you to head over to unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D.tv and book a call with me. And let's talk about how we can best support you. All right, back to the show. So I talk a lot about... Um telling better stories. You know, we, we talk about that a lot on this podcast and, and, and yeah. everyone, and I didn't, I didn't put this in my questions list. So, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you don't have, if you don't have a good answer for it. Don't worry about it. This is a, this is a bonus question. Uh, okay. but when you say tell better stories, um, what does that, what does that mean for you? Like what are structures that you're putting into place, uh, when you start working with a school that, that elevates their storytelling? Yeah, I think storytelling is like such, I know everyone kind of bangs on about it these days and you see posts on it all the time on LinkedIn, but I think there's something really um, powerful about telling good stories. You know, as humans, we're kind of hardwired to like story and to find meaning in story um, and to see ourselves reflected in stories. So I think um, for universities or schools, you know, trying to, reach potential students telling stories where people can actually see them like a person that's like them or potentially you know a bit like them doing amazing things that can be really inspiring so those kind of stories I think um you know uh, are, are really worth doing um but I think for in terms of telling better stories one of the things we like that innovation and enterprise project, for example, that we I mentioned for UCL, you know, we a lot of the stories already existed, but they just weren't being very well told. So okay. the, the the actual project was really interesting, but the way it was being told, or the partnership, or whatever it was, like for various reasons, either because it was written in academic language, too academic language, too boring yeah. language. Um, yeah or that it wasn't focused on the reader. It wasn't sort of thinking, who is this actually aimed at? So it was, you know, it's kind of simple um, communication techniques, I guess, but if you don't know them, then it, then they aren't simple, right? So um, just really focusing on the reader. So in that case, it's like, if we're talking to, if we want to get more partnerships going with the university, if we want to get more people from industry in, interested, we need to be talking about it from the from their perspective and what the benefits are of working with you from their perspective. So those were the kind of things we did. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I think that we, we often like when we write stories or <clears throat> create content for our, for our own organizations, I, I, I think, I think we often write it with our peers in mind um, rather than our audience in mind, like what will my peers in academia uh, think think of the way that this is written or the the words that I'm using? In um, w one hurdle that I have gotten over in in my career is the pejorative use of the word um, videographer 
So right. the video videographer amongst video people is a is a, a negative connotation that means like you you go to some wedding with some big camera on your shoulder and you stick a microphone in people's faces and you know it's uh it's just very low quality kind of versus like filmmaking type of type of, type of stuff but like you know recently doing some research on like how do people actually use like what do people actually type into Google when they when they want to hire a video person so I tested all of these keywords video producer filmmaker blah 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 and overwhelmingly it was just videographer like right. <laughs> so, you know and so it's sort of like you got to get over what other people your peers with it because your peers aren't the ones that are that are you know submitting the application <laughs> um, absolutely yeah and i think that's so important actually in all types of communication you know, on linkedin it's important you know it's kind of trying to put aside like who are you actually talking to who are you trying to reach you know um mm -hmm. i think when i first got onto linkedin i was thinking oh how's this going to sound to other copywriters but actually they're not the people that are necessarily going to be buying from me um right. or wanting to work with me and it's so and stuff that we think you know as people who've been perhaps doing what we do a long time we think it's kind of second nature it might not be it's not going to be second nature to everybody um right. so it's explaining things in a way that is understandable um i think in academia there's an extra challenge is that there's a lot of experts in in universities and schools you know and they are used to talking in a very um different way um like a very dry <laughs> mm -hmm. generally and, and complicated way like I look at journal articles and I'm like wow you like it literally makes your head hurt trying to understand what it's saying um, <laughs> yeah so it's a lot of what we do is translation I've said this I like I've talked about this before but it's like yeah we're, we're translators we're translating academic speak into normal language exactly yeah oh that's that's so that's a good way to think about it um okay shifting uh to our topic here uh program pages or course pages um what should those pages do what are the questions it, you know those pages should answer for a prospective student yeah i think um a really kind of top level sort of the simplest way of thinking about it is that a program page needs to give a prospective student all the information that they need to make their decision about that program. Um, and, you know, there's a lot, you know, been said about decision-making and how like different things can feed into that. So like the rational factors that people need to make the decision and the emotional and how you kind of weave that together. So I think that's what, um, that's kind of a good way of thinking about it. It's like, how can we make sure we're giving a prospective student everything they need in terms of specific questions that I would sort of have in my mind from a student's perspective, because as a copywriter, it's my job to step into the reader's shoes, right? So um, I'd be thinking, you know, is this a good and interesting thing to study? Um, is this a good place to study it? Those are the two main questions. Like, should I study this? And should I study this here? Um, mm -hmm. And just like really simplifying it down to those two things, because a lot of program pages don't answer those two questions. Um, Interesting. Like, well, um, and they overcomplicate it, you know, so it's really helpful, I think, to bring yourself back to the simplest questions that you need to answer. 
um, which is, yeah, should I study this and should I study this here? Um, yeah, should I study this is a is an interesting one because I would I would think that 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 it was like really just they already know that they're they want to study that and so it's like let me try to convince you to study it here. Well, that's really interesting yeah. that I, I, I now that you say that I bet there are a lot of people who are just casually browsing different areas of study and you know thinking back to when I was in going into college I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do so you know, there, there is such an opportunity to, to sell the actual field of study as well as doing it at your school. Exactly. And I think it's worth us, you know, remembering that people are going to be at this different place in their journey with this stuff. Some people might be like, yes, I definitely want to study. I was looking at well, an example we're going to come on to later, but about the, uh, like a bachelor's, bachelor of psychology, because that is a subject that I wish that I had studied. Like now that I have been a copywriter for 20 years and I understand how important psychology is to being a good communicator, I wish yeah. that I'd done that, but um, I can't go back in time. I did like French too. <laughs> um, I, um, yeah, I think um, you might you might know that you want to study psychology. You know, that might be um, something that you've always wanted to study or you're very clear on what it involves, but equally like having just a really clear description of what, what it is, like what does that actually mean? What does that involve? Um, mm. That might be needed as well. People might be weighing up different subjects. Yeah. Yeah. And like, maybe even like, who are some of the heroes of, of psychology and what, what are some of the major advancements in thought that they brought into place that people might not even have realized came from a, a psychologist? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. What is psychology all about? What kind of, what things has it contributed? Uh, how, how have things moved forward thanks to psychology? Um, but going back to your question about what questions to answer, I mean, those are the two top level ones, but I think underneath that, if you think about the rational and the emotional side of things, I mean, from a rational perspective, um, you want to know things like, you know, what's in it for me? What am I gonna get on this program? What do I need to do next? So really kind of, it's kind of, it's a transactional page in a way in, well, it is. It's part, partly a transactional page. You want to you want to know this is a big time investment and a big money investment for people. Like, what am I going to actually be getting? So very clear information on what I'm going to be getting. Um, and then the emotional side of things, I think people might be asking questions like, you know, am I going to belong here? Am I going to fit in here? Um, what's your student experience like? Um mm -hmm you know what's the support side of things like what kind you know it's also for some people it's a really big thing to be they might be leaving home for the first time they might be going to a completely new city a new place um so i think yeah it's really really helpful to think about it with those questions in mind because by doing that then it, it forces you to be thinking about it from the reader's perspective yeah absolutely what are some areas so like is thinking about the emotional and the, and the, and the logical and, and all those things. Um, yeah. what are some patterns that, <clears throat> that you see a lot of schools engaging in that are, uh, ineffective? Like what, where are areas where they waste words on things that are just distractions? I think that, yeah, there are common sort of patterns and things that I see cropping up all the time on these pages. Um, of things that are not working as well as they could do. And I mean, the first one is that there's too much 
there's often too much navel gazing. I like I call it, you know, there's too much think talking about the university and what, or the school and what we can do. And we're really good at this and we do this and we, we, mm-hmm. we, we, we. It's too much about them. So there's that's that goes on a lot. Navel gazing. Um, I've never heard that. Navel gazing. Like You're looking inward and you need to okay. be looking outward. All right. Um, I'm going to use that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> You stop nail gazing at the dinner table. Stop <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use um, that on my kids. I'm gonna find some way to use that on my kids today. <laughs> All right. Anyway, continue. Um, yeah. The second thing is that you're too. They're too generic. Often they're too general and generic and not tangible. And for me, that often feels like it's a bit like the language of the politician. You know, it's like when a politician speaks and you're like, there's part of you that's going, just tell me what you mean. What, yeah. what are you actually saying? Um, right. And I feel I get that feeling a lot when I'm reading program pages. I'm like, but I don't actually understand what you mean. Like they'll say mm-hmm. something like, we, you know, you'll be learning how to solve current business issues, something like that, something really vague. And you're like, right. What, what do you mean? Like what business issues? That might be really interesting. Actually, there might be some really interesting business issues that we could put in there to bring it to life, but we don't know what they are. So I have to then dig that out when I talk to the academics, but so it's too generic. Um, then you've got also the too, too much academic language, which I've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Often they're left in the hands of the, well, sometimes they're left in the hands of the program leads to write. Um, and so it's not their fault, they're not, but they're not communications experts. They are right. experts at teaching their subject. And so they don't write in the language of the reader. Um, yeah. And the result of all that, if you put all that together, is they're too boring. They're too boring. They're not interesting enough. I'll just cut to the chase here. <laughs> and um, they, um, but they don't, they're not doing justice to the program. So mm-hmm. I speak to the academics. I do lots of interviews with academics. And almost every call that I have, I come away really excited about the program I'm like wow I want to do that program I want to do that program like almost every week I want to do a different program because of these they sound brilliant yeah but then you look at the program page and it's just not doing it you know it's it's flat it's yeah it's not doing what it needs to do and that's what we try and turn around for people yeah the getting specific is one of the things that I think is so underutilized in storytelling, in copywriting, um, content creation, whatever. Because you're right. Like when people, uh, organizations, leaders use these these vague sort of platitudes, it just goes right over people's head. It doesn't do anything. Like solving business problems. Yeah, what does that mean? I mean, anything could be a business problem. But if you were to say like, um, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll teach you how to research your target market and craft a yep. message specifically for them now you've got me because i'm like oh yeah i'm bad at that <laughs> you know like exactly. i don't know where to start with market research what i send out a survey do i go door to door interviewing people like i want to know how to do market research but if you had just said solving business problems i don't know what that means um and i'm yeah, just kind of like next right. <laughs> yeah yeah totally i think it's um it's just worth thinking that good copy needs to paint a picture in people's minds. You want to paint a picture. You want people to be able to imagine and visualize what you're talking about. And the problem with generic language is it doesn't do that. 
it just kind of washes over you. Like, well, I don't actually understand what that means. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't resonate, um, but a specific detail. And there are lots of interesting details that you can pull out. That's a lot of the what we do in program pages is adding in that, spe- that specific detail to make it more interesting. And there's a lot of crossover between copywriting and, and, and storytelling too. Because when, inter- when I'm interviewing a student or alumni for a success story or something, that's really on my mind is like, I need to get this person to be specific because what they're um, naturally going to do is, is fly really high over their experience and just, it was great. Here's, here's the professors I liked. Here's the classes I liked. It was generally great. And now everything's great or, you know, (laughs) and, 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 and that's, and that's fine. Like you need, you need that too, but it really, I find like the emotion comes in, in the specifics. So like for me, a question that I often ask is like, tell me about like a specific moment that was a turning point for you in your, yeah. in your academic uh, experience, you know, and it kind of wow. gets them to think like, yeah, was there a spot where I wasn't sure before, but then I kind of became confident or, uh, you know, I was going this direction. Then I started pivoting to go that direction. Cause I think that that like pivot point is really interesting. And that's such a good opportunity for, um specifics but if if you if you just say like there are just there are platitudes that people just expect you to say you know like and 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 so if you if you meet those expectations you just blend in you know if you if you meet the expectations of small class sizes great professors blah 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 then you're just another drop of water under the bridge or I don't know, some analogy like that. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely. And that's the big, that's a big um, challenge, isn't it? In, in, in higher ed is that, that, that they, that schools and universities can just blend into this sea of sameness. And that's what we're trying to avoid. That's what we're trying to help them with is, is how do you find a way to be distinctive? How do you find a way to stick in people's minds? And one of the ways that, as you say, is, is to tell, tell good specific stories that are emotive and I love that though that turning point I've just scribbled that down I'm going to add that to my questions um but (laughs) I was just thinking about it's like moments of connection as well how can you capture these moments you know of like I saw a, a university recently um can't remember which one someone in the UK but they were they'd um got people to they'd recorded students talking about the professor that had had the most impact on them um and they got them to tell a really specific story about what that um you know that impact um was um and then they showed that story to the professor and they got they filmed the professor's reaction to it and then you got these professors who were just like deeply moved by the impact that they'd had on their students and it was such a brilliant thing because it was like emotive it was specific it was like human and it just made me think, God, you that's so much better than just saying we've got a really great student experience or we, you know, we um, you will have a quality learning experience or whatever. You're showing me what it's like. It was really good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of my most impactful college, I, I feel like what I got most out of college was my experience with um, my professors and the relationships that I got from them. And I, I've told this story before on, on the podcast, but I had one professor in art school. Her name was Gilda, who just had a profound impact on on me and 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 just and and my career. And 
uh, she just supported me so much. And there were so many times where I would just be sit, I would just go sit in her office and just talk to her about something that was frustrating me or ask her a question about how to price a painting or something like that. <laughs> something yeah, like yeah. that. And um, I just have so many rich memories uh, with with Gilda. Um, uh, you know, she she passed away um, a number of years ago. And but but that legacy, I think for me, just the those emotions that I when I think about my college experience, I think about Gilda and, uh, and you can't just, you, you would not get that by just saying, you know, close student professor relationships, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So what, so then what do program pages need more of? I think we've maybe, okay. we've, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but if, if there's anything, uh, we haven't touched on, let well, let's go there. Yeah, I think, yeah, we've talked about some of the, you know, emotion and um, creating connection and those kind of things. I mean, clarity, that's obviously, that is like the starting point for good copy, right? We need to, before we think about doing anything else, it's got to be clear. So um, make that your starting point. Um, clarity, you know, particularly thinking about students having to navigate lots of different schools and universities like how can you make it easy for them to get the information they need um and yeah there are a couple of other things i thought of around this um do more showing and less telling um like yeah. i see a lot of um schools and universities saying again this goes back to the talking about yourself thing as well but it's like you know we're world leading we're world leading in um, whatever it is in, in you know, a yeah. particular type of uh, cancer research, for example. Um, but you could show me that instead by inviting me to listen to a podcast with your ex, one of your professors talking about the latest developments in that field. So mm -hmm. show me rather than tell me. Um, I think it's so much more um it's like allowing people to come to their own conclusion as well you're not saying we're brilliant you're allowing people to go i'm going to discover that for myself oh you actually you are brilliant because you're really interesting mm -hmm. you're doing the, this really exciting stuff so i think that the, i don't see universities doing that enough showing showing people um yep. how good they are um and also invite people in. See if you can like lift the lid a little bit and invite people in. So um, again, I don't see many program pages where you are giving, where, where, where there's the chance to do like a taster session, um, like a try before you buy even almost, you know. So it might be a free workshop. It could be like a low cost workshop, but you're asking people to invest a huge amount of money um so why not um have more of these kind of taster sort of sessions mm -hmm. and and ways for people to try out what you're what you're offering before they actually go into the full um program yeah there's a school i've again i've uh for longtime listeners of the podcast you've heard me talk about this one before it's just one of my favorite ones but hillsdale college is a is a is a um faith-based school here in Michigan. And, uh, they, they do these amazing free courses and they're, they're like masterclass level, like, you know, those masterclass trailers where it's like, um, you know, these, these Hollywood directors that, that are teaching you things. Um, but super well filmed, high production value, really interesting, um, kind of philosophical discussion about things in the Bible. And the interesting thing was I started, um, I started seeing a physical therapist uh, 
uh, the the just the other day. And as I was waiting in the waiting room, I hear one of the patients that's working with the physical therapist talking about Hillsdale College and these free courses that they have. Uh, and he's just some random, like, you know, older gentleman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that's getting around. You know, that's like I, I loved it. I love I, I loved that. I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's an effective strategy, though. Right. Because like. I guess you see it all the time on on LinkedIn, for example. People are off, people offer something for free or like a small ask before you go for the bigger ask. Um, and I think that schools and education institutions could be doing more of that. Um, in the, you know, being a bit more savvy about that. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're coming up against time here. So I want to I want to jump forward a little bit to talk about these yeah, yeah. couple of examples that you gave us. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So you sent me some uh, some examples. One was from University of Sydney. And the other one was uh, from University of Bath um, School of Management. Yeah. So I want to talk about like uh, walk us through like what's working about these. What what is yeah what's successful about these pages. Yeah, so I picked a couple of examples. I mean, the first thing I just wanted to say is there's lots of different ways to approach a program page. Um, and, um, you know, we don't want to encourage schools um, and universities to, you know, all have the same kind of program page because then we fall into that sea of sameness thing again. Um, but I think it's really good to look at what other people are doing and like pick ideas that you like and, you know, model things and, you know, make it work for, for your institution. So I'm always on the lookout for good examples. Um, and I found, yeah, these cu a couple of what I thought, what I think are good examples. Um, the University of Bath. Um, so that's just down the road from me. I'm in Bristol um, in the southwest of England. And Bath is like about a 15 minute drive away. Um, and yeah, their university, we've worked with them, actually. We didn't write this particular page but um, I really like their MBA page. They've got, their, they've got various MBAs. This is the full-time MBA page. Um, the first thing I like about it is the first screen immediately hits you with the key message for the program. Like it's an MBA program, so it's gonna be high profile. It's probably generating a lot of revenue for the, um, for the institution. So they've invested in proper branding. It's got its um, key message, which is, I'm um, just gonna wait for it to come around again because it's a rolling, ambition changes everything. Um, mm -hmm. And then a subline, you know, give your career the boost it deserves with the Bath MBA. So immediately you are hit kind of between the eyes with the key message, the proposition for this program. Um, and then all you've got apart from that on that first screen is the call to action, which is apply mm -hmm. now. And that is incredibly powerful um, compared to a lot of, of other pages where, you know, that first that first page is like, you know, that is key, uh, you know, key, key um, space to be using. And so you need to be using it well. Um, so I really like that about how they've started there. And then actually, that's it's quite funny because just we were just talking about this try before you buy thing. They've now underneath, straight underneath that, they've got you can register for a masterclass. Um, oh, cool! So, yeah, yeah. So they are using um, that idea that we just said. You can register for an MBA masterclass um, and you know test out what the MBA is all about before you go in um, and sign up or, or register your interest. Um, 
the rest of the page, I mean, it's really clean. It's very clean. So obviously copy and design need to work hand in hand, right? So I really like the way that it just guides you through. It's got a very short intro next where it, it, it explains what the program's about. We're talking a couple of paragraphs. Um, so again, you, you've got another little bit of information to add to add on, um, mm -hmm. but you're not overfaced with too much information at that point. Um, and then the rest of the page is, you know, it's divided up in, in lots of really nice sections. It's got a fast facts section where you, you know, you've got key entry requirements and the fees and um, the course start date and things like that. The and fast facts, I, I think, is really, is really, is, uh, is great because it's, uh, I think we underestimate how much uh, it, it's helpful just to have, just give me the quick hit, like high level stuff in a yeah. bullet point. Like when I ever see, whenever I see like a bullet point list, I'm like, my brain just breathes a sigh of relief, you know? <laughs> Cause I'm like, yeah, this is exactly. going to be structured in a way that's easy for me to grasp. Anyway, continue. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> and I think that's really important to remember, especially the way we read online. There's been a lot of research that hasn't there around how people read and we, we, we don't read, it's not like we're reading a book. We are scanning for the key bits of information. So anything that you can do on, on the page to make it easy for people to take in information um, quickly without overfacing them. Um, and then we get into a video, which you're gonna like. <laughs> uh, there's a video next uh, with a student um talk with a current student talking about the program so you know that's obviously great because it's another layer of storytelling um and we're getting that social proof the student talking about the course rather mm -hmm. than the university talking about the course right um then we've got another key features and benefits section so again it's like bish 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 you know really uh, easy to absorb information with the key benefits Yep. Um, and the whole page is broken up like that. So it's very, very easy to read. And it just kind of guides you through. It takes you sort of on a journey. Um, I don't know if you know, there's a, a copywriter that I, that I really admire on LinkedIn called Eddie Schlainer. He's from Chicago. Um, and he talks about, I was reading something recently about him talking about the slippery slide, the slippery slope or the slippery slide. And this idea that you want to like people to slide down your page. Um, so you, you know, and this page yeah. is a really great example of that. You, you want to keep reading on because it's nothing's overfacing. They've used a mix of formats. They've got three videos on there. Um, one is from a current student. One's about an internship student. And then the last one is an alumni alumnus, um, student talking about, you know, where the, where the course has taken them, where the program has taken them in their career. So I think it's a really great example. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think I, I think it was you that I found that, that, that guy about the slip, the slippery slope. Cause I, I earmarked that to like, I think it was maybe a podcast episode that he posted, but I was like, yeah. I, I need to learn more about that. Like really creating a rabbit hole for, for people to go down. Cause once they're interested and you can just keep layering on more and more and more in bite-sized little breadcrumbs, you know, it's not like hitting them over the head, trying to tell them everything in one single video. Um, you know, it's, it's just, but creating a whole journey for them to slide down. Exactly. And just like not overfacing people, like we can't take in too much information at once. Um, 
you know, drip feeding a little bit and then a little bit more and then a little bit more. And if you want to go deeper, you can, you know, so this page, that's the landing page, but then they've got sub pages. So that's another, you know, good device to think about for these pages. You don't have to include it all on one page. You could mm -hmm. have your main page and then they've got a key features and benefits page. They've got, an, um, they've got um, sections on funding and scholarships, how to apply, the city of Bath. Um, so it's almost like that. I mean, that is one of their bigger programs, but it's like a mini website almost in itself. Yeah. All right. So let's look at uh, University of Sydney. Okay. So I thought I'd go right to the other side of the world for the other one. Um, yeah. And this is really different from the Bath page. Um, but and what I really like about this one is, I mean, again, they do a really great job of that first screen. Is it called above the fold? I don't know what the terminology is. Um, above for the these fold, things, yeah. But... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that first screen, when you get to the page, all you've got underneath the title, this is the Bachelor of Psychology. Um, you've got the ranking. So very simply, it says third in Australia for psychology. Um, and then you've got a, a paragraph that describes why study psychology? So this is what I was explaining earlier that I think can be helpful. And it says, you know, explore the science of human behavior. In this course, you'll build your specialization in psychology to help you understand mental processes and allow you to better understand how we think, act and feel. So it's like a really succinct description of what psychology is, um, which I thought, you know, I like that. It's simple and it's clear. And then they've got another section just underneath that who is it for? You know, this is ideal for the student who's considering a career in psychology industry, but also wants to keep their options open. So you immediately know that it's talking to you. Um, if that is you, um, you know, it sort of allows you to self-select. Um, and then again, they've got a video um, on that above the fold screen. Um, and it, this time it's a brand video. So mm -hmm. it's like a 30 second video, but really kind of quite a powerful video where they've got all the key benefits, the key facts about why study psychology at Sydney, um, which I really like. Um, and this page is actually a lot shorter than the Bath one. Again, they've used, um, they've got quite a prominent section on careers, like where the, where the program can take you, what kind of jobs you could go on to do. You know, you could be a neuroscientist, you could um, be a psychologist, um, all the different careers. Obviously, there are lots of benefits of, of studying at this level, um, but one of the main ones is working out what, what job you're going to do at the end of it. So I think sometimes this careers information can be hidden quite far down in a page um, and they've pulled it quite near the front. It's quite near the top end. Um, and again, they've used sub pages. So the first page that you come to doesn't overface you. You know, it's just quite simple. Um, and again, the design is just really simple and, and clean. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, simple and clean is very effective. Yeah. I think, I think there's that thing about confused brains don't make decisions. Or there's, I mean, that's not the actual quote, but you know, it's kind of, people are potentially going to be overfaced with so much information. So yeah. if they can, at this point in the decision-making process, if, if, schools can make it easy and kind of calm down that anxious mind. I think that, that that can be really helpful too. I like about what's uh, University of Sydney at the, at the top 
it, there's a um, apply now button. And then right next to that, there's a ask a question button. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, which I find as a consumer, if you can make it easy for me to ask a question about your product or solve a technical issue, like a, you know, if I've already bought it and I'm having an issue, uh, like having a, um, a chat bot or something on, on the, on the page, I'm much more likely to, to not like bounce from, you know, yeah. from you. Cause, cause if I have to go through like a bunch of hoops to like, what I hate is, is, um, being, you know, is going to like the contact page and then they try to go get you to read all the forums and search all yeah. the previously asked questions about did, did that answer your question and then you know yeah. um and then you have to like dig and dig and dig for like a contact button it's like they really don't want you to call them yeah. <laughs> don't contact us yeah um yeah and, and just on that note actually and i think another thing that can work really well on program pages is if you can have that direct like talking to a student um you know, um, option. Like I know some, I've been working with the university recently and you can have a chat with them, this, you know, a student ambassador. Um, mm -hmm. and so you get to talk to a current student who's doing the course. And I like, I like that idea too. It's that peer to peer, um, that peer to peer kind of support and maybe even like a community kind of, if you could chat with people before you go, um, it might, you know, help with the idea. It might not seem so scary, actually the idea of going for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. These are great. These are great examples. Thanks for pulling those up for us. Um, okay. All right. So, so yeah, this has been a great conversation. Um, where can people uh, connect with you at if they want to uh, work with you or follow you or anything like that? Well, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is, is kind of the only platform I'm on really, but I love LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. So I'd love to connect with people on LinkedIn. And um, I mean, our website is allthingswords.co.uk. Um, so you can find out more about us on there. But yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best place to connect. Cool. I uh, will give a personal um, uh, review here for following Joe on, on LinkedIn. I follow her. I very much enjoy it. I've, I, I discovered Joe through uh, Kyle Campbell, who um, uh, if you are on LinkedIn, um, much at all you will probably see him come into your feed uh if you're in the <laughs> if yeah. you're in the higher ed i so i like kyle i um i feel like i know him already and the funny the funny thing is is like we we got on a virtual call a couple weeks ago for the first time and we were both surprised we hadn't actually met each other we were uh -huh. like realizing on the call we had never actually <laughs> directly it's connected funny. yeah it's funny that though isn't it because you you kind of feel like you know people from linkedin um which is i guess the power of good content as well if you when you get on a call with someone you feel like you know them then it shows that their content's working yeah for sure for sure yeah well, yes. And so for people listening, hire a professional for your um, for your program pages, because, uh, you know, having the uh, the, the program director or, or something like write the copy is a good start. Uh, but there is a design to moving people through uh, to making a decision, uh, moving people down that funnel. It's very important. Um, it's it's um, it is a skill uh, that takes a very specific type of person that knows how you know kind of the brain works how brains you know move through the page skim through the page what words they need to hear where they need to hear them um so yeah i'm a big advocate for working with professional copywriters like uh joe um who will 
really give you a big return on investment. Just even just just picking different words, telling better stories, uh, and and better page design is is uh, is going to make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, thanks, John. Yeah. So, Joe, thank you so much for being here. This is great to chat with you. Really great to chat with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for listening. Three things I want to give you before you go. Number one, reminder to sign up for my free weekly newsletter all about creating content that resonates emotionally with your audience. And you can do that at unveiled.tv slash newsletter. Unveiled is spelled U-N-V-E-I-L-D. Number two, if you've enjoyed this episode, share it with someone. Share it with your team, your boss, your dog whatever. And if you're not already subscribed, I'd love for you to do that. Uh, number three, reach out to me. If you have comments, questions, you want to talk about a video project, whatever. My email is john at unveiled.tv. John is spelled J-O-H-N. Or follow me on LinkedIn. If you're searching for me, my last name is spelled A-Z-O-N-I. That's all for today. And I look forward to catching you on the next episode of the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast. Thanks. Thanks.